1: My only
0: object
2: in being
1: here is to try and get
0: at the truth. Where shall I go? What shall I do? He's looking at you, kid.
1: Frankly, my dear, I don't you give a damn. I could have been a contender. Fasten your seat. I could have been somebody. They can only kill me with a golden bullet. What have I done? Call me Mr. Tibbs. I'm going to make him an awful All real, man. Love is... is love. Too weak a word. for back. I loathe you. No, I love you. <laughs> I, you I love you <laughs> 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 I did as he saw. Don't let me... If there's something wrong, it's
3: wrong with the instruction. This ain't reality TV. Respect it and Remember that you told me. It's time, Robbie. Welcome to the Next Best Picture podcast. And the Oscar
4: goes to Green Book.
3: Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 160 of the Next Best Picture Podcast. Time of recording 11 11 a.m. on September 22nd, Sunday. I am your host, Matt Neglia. Joining me this week for episode 160, I have a returning triumphant Ryan C. Showers. Yes, everyone, I'm back on the main show t- this week. <laughs> we also have Nicole Ackman.
4: Hi, everybody.
3: Casey Lee Clark. Hello. Dan Baer. Hello, hello, hello. And I'm saving her for last because I want to give her a chance to talk here right now because she's got some pretty big things going on right now in her life. Bianca Gardner, tell everyone what is going on right now because, boy, oh boy, have you been busy.
0: <laughs> yeah, I suppose I have. Uh, I've just officially launched in their own league.com. Um, my. Website, it's not just my website, there are other people contributing to it. <laughs> I don't want to take all the, the glory, uh, but yeah.
3: <laughs> well, one of those people, uh, happens to also be here with us right now, is that right?
0: Yeah, yeah, Nicole, yeah, yeah, she, she's doing amazing work. <laughs> Thank you, B. B is
4: running this site so well for it to be, you know, just starting up. I'm so impressed,
0: B. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I don't know what's happening. It's like crazy. It's just like I'm <laughs> <laughs> uh, going. Like uh, the support that we're having is amazing, and of course, the it, site's it all about women in film. And you know, the the quality of the content we're producing. I've been impressed. I mean, every time that I come across an article, I'm like, wow, this is better than anything that I write. I mean, these people are amazing. <laughs> uh, so um, it's been great and of course like uh, I'm getting ready to go to London Film Festival for Next Best Picture and that will be <laughs> coming up really soon so yeah, it's, I'm still trying to work out my diary to... I want to see as many films as I can but it's a case of do I... I wish I could clone myself or something so I could physically <laughs> be in more than one place. Uh, but yeah, it's been crazy. <laughs>
3: Next year, you'll be going uh, for in their own league, I'm sure, and we're all very, very excited uh, and very, very happy for you. And we're hoping to help promote in any way that we possibly can, anything that we can do to help support. We're totally there for you. Indeed. Oh,
0: thank you. I really appreciate it. I mean, like I say, the the support that we've been getting and the 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 you know the traffic coming to the site has been. Increasing every single day, so uh, that's a good sign. That's a good sign. I mean, I, I people are actually reading the stuff, <laughs> so I'm retweeting. Enjoy it. Yeah,
3: it, it, it's a, it's a very crazy, thrilling uh, roller coaster of a ride with uh, ups and ups and ups, and ups and downs and downs and downs. But at the same time always moving pretty fast and always thrilling so uh we're really really excited very happy for you we're also very excited and very happy to be uh currently in the middle of the award season we are in phase one people uh the fall film festival's pre uh critics awards right now at the moment so last week on the show we recorded right before the tiff audience award winner was announced And boy, oh boy, did we sound very, very silly a few hours later when the podcast (laughs) went up. Uh, We all dismissed Jojo Rabbit as a contender for the Audience Award based on its uh, divisive reviews. And surprise, surprise, later that afternoon, what wins the Audience Award at Toronto? Jojo Rabbit. So... I know that prior to that podcast, based upon the reaction, a lot of us had adjusted our predictions for Jojo Rabbit on the website, and we were all kind of like in, oh, let's wait and see kind of a mode. Now that it is one, one of the most prestigious awards of the uh, season, mostly because of the precedent that it has set over the last decade. Every single winner of the Toronto Audience uh, Award has gone on to be nominated or win Best Picture with the exception of one. The question is, is Jojo Rabbit going to now be one of those movies or not?
5: I don't think it's going to win Best Picture, but I think it can definitely get nominated.
3: Speaking from the person who has seen it so far, uh, what's everyone else's uh, perception? <laughs> I honestly, Sight unseen.
5: I, I, I just want to add that like the people who l- liked it that I knew it. TIFF who saw it really, really liked it. So like after the fact that it was announced as uh, People's Choice the winner, it wasn't surprising. But it definitely surprised me that it, it won.
3: You know what's also not surprising to me? That the last uh, three winners have been... Three billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri, Green Book, and now the film about Nazis in a light, humorous manner, Jojo Rabbit. No controversy this year, people. A controversy-free Oscar year, I'm sure.
6: Well, can I ask, uh, Dan, do you think Jojo Rabbit, since you've seen it, do you think it's going to appeal to older Academy voters? Because that's the key
5: here, I think. I I think, honestly, it's... that's like 50-50. I, I think there are some older voters who will like that the movie is taking the piss out of Nazis and nationalism and racism in general. And there are some that won't be able to get on its wavelength.
4: Do you think well, that it could be helped by the fact that, you know, it comes from that kind of this tradition of Charlie Chaplin and then, you know, later... um I mean, yes. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, there is this long
5: standing tradition. Yeah. Taika Waititi's performance as the imaginary friend version of Adolf Hitler is very Chaplin in the Great Dictator-esque.
3: I've heard that comparison getting thrown around a lot. And I know that my pool here is very, very small. But two of my friends that were at TIFF, uh, who also happen to be Jewish, uh, Dan, you're one of them. Mm? They don't have a problem with the movie. And I think that the last two years with billboards and Green Book, uh, the people that were having problems with the movie rightfully had problems with the movie. Now, granted, s- sample size, like I said, very small. Only two people I've spoken to. I don't know, you know, obviously any anyone more than that. But I'm wondering if this is a case of people thinking that they need to be very sensitive to this and you know put up the warning caution signs about it when in reality they don't have to but everybody's just kind of nervous and scared that if they don't they'll be perceived as being you you know what i'm saying yeah i think there's
5: definitely a part of that in this and i also think there's just a part of like There are some people, um, I I don't want to know them personally because I don't think they'd be any fun, but there Mm. are some people who just do not believe that there is any way to laugh about. World War Two, and... I wonder what they think of Life is Beautiful. Right, I mean, like, and it's the same people who are, like, who thought Life is Beautiful is offensive, and I happen to love that movie a great deal. Uh, and that, so.
3: that's a movie that, honestly, is very beloved by the general public mm-hmm. outside of our bubble of film, Twitter and film critics and so on and so forth. And it's so. not even
5: like, it's not even from Twitter and film critics. Like it's a, even a subset of that. Like, I feel like there is a lot of desire to appear woke, if not actually be woke. And I, honestly, I think that's a little overrated when we're talking about movies because there, you, it is so subjectively applied a lot of times.
6: Well, mm-hmm. can,
5: like, can we talk about the movie?
6: Like, I mean, I know that the, the movie has controver- uh, controversial reactions and it's divisive, but I feel like we're ignoring the fact that this is, has a 52 on Metacritic and like the reviews aren't that great. And I know people will say, oh, well, Bohemian Rhapsody had a 49 and it got in. I think that's a different case. And even Green Book has had a sixty nine on Metacritic. Like its re, its reviews were decent enough. Like I mean, they still curved upwards. Um, I, I I just have a problem with that. And first of all, but second of all, where all would Jojo get nominated besides in screenplay? Re- realistically, like that's those are my two main concerns. So that's why I'm thinking it's probably just a screenplay nom. Um, and if it doesn't make money. Like Bohemian Rhapsody did, which I know it won't. But if it makes a decent amount of money, it could probably still get in for picture. But if it if it flops and it doesn't connect with audiences as a whole, I think, and um, I don't think it will go anywhere.
5: I honestly think, um, and you can see this on the website, but really the the Oscar prospects are basically Taika Waititi, supporting actor, director, screenplay, <laughs> um, picture, and like at a very like, I think it's a long shot for acting. Um, either for Roman Griffin Davis, who's the lead, who, who is fantastic, and he's going to get a lot of like breakthrough young actor awards. Mark my words, because he's he's so good. And I mean, then supporting actress, but there's competition between Scarlett Johansson and um, uh the girl from leave no trace of why I can't remember her name. Yes. Thomas McKenzie. They're both good. They're very different roles. I don't, I don't really see that happening, even though it's a weak year um, in supporting actress and weak year in quotes. Um, Other than that, like if they really love it, then like editing, if they're feeling frisky, but I, that's a super duper long shot. Comedy is difficult, like, and that's why I don't put too much stock in the grades and Metascore and uh, Tomato Meter ratings for this because people who, you know, respond to this brand of comedy are not going to care what the reviews say, and they can be indicative of how a general populace is feeling. But as you can see, it won the Audience Award, so I'm kind of throwing that out the window just because, like. Comedy is subjective, and it's difficult, and you never know what people are going to respond to or not.
3: I also want to uh, say that I was listening to uh, Little Gold Men recently, and uh, Mark Harris was on, and they were talking about how the Academy last year definitely had this attitude of, you're not going to tell us how to vote. We're going to vote how we want to vote. hmm and we're not going to let these think pieces and people being very offended by these movies tell us that we should not vote for them. And I think that that is something that is going to continue as they discussed on Little Gold Men, they think so as well, and that this could be a new trend. So I'm wondering, Ryan, just in regards to like the the reviews from critics, if the campaign is there and if general audiences love it. I think that that is a better uh, barometer now instead of uh, going by a Rotten Tomatoes rating, possibly. I, I mean, one year does not make a trend necessarily, but it was very interesting to hear that this is something that is definitely being said by Academy members now, and I think it will play with Jojo Rabbit. I think it will have an impact as well on Joker. And who knows what else Um, at at this point, it actually makes the race even more open than ever uh, that we have to consider movies that may not be as critically beloved. But if they are in the conversation continuously um, and when I say in the conversation, I also mean on the negative side of things, too, with the think pieces and everything else. It's like sometimes a form of campaigning is a smear campaign, (laughs) you know. So, or in Brad Pitt's case, no campaigning is a campaign. <laughs> <laughs> but either way, it's like every move that these people make is some form of a campaign to keep them in the conversation.
0: Can I just ask? Um, yeah. When was the last comedy film to win Best Picture? What, to what, what, what? win? Mm.
3: Well, oh. uh, that, I mean, it depends on how you want to look at it. Like, yeah. is the artist a comedy?
0: Right.
1: No. Mm. I yes. mean, a one
3: comedy musical at the Globes.
5: <sighs> it, I, I, the I, resist, I think it's we've gotten. Yeah. I would say Chicago.
3: No, I wouldn't. No. I wouldn't classify Chicago as a comedy. Personally In
5: musical. Yeah, but it's more of a drama than a comedy. At least the movie is. It's a satire. I mean, as is
3: Jojo. <sighs> I mean, I think? mean, l- listen, I'm throwing my hands up right now. I mean, can we say Green Book? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. <laughs> I, I'm just saying people <laughs> laugh their asses off That's when they a, watch that movie. It's a <laughs> dramedy. Yeah, it is. That's You're a, right. We're
2: getting to we get more dramedies. I think yeah. when the best like, you know,
3: I mean, then there's Shakespeare in love. There's Annie Hall.
2: And even then, all those you could classify for, as drama. Nothing is. But even then, I would you classify um, Jojo Rabbit as a pure 100 percent comedy or is there obviously, it's, you know, okay.
5: I, I honestly would like there are moments of drama but it's it's a comedy its primary purpose is to make you laugh
3: which is why i don't think it's a best picture winner Yeah, Um, i I think it's definitely a possible contender but i would not say it's going to be a winner yeah i think
2: plus i think preferential ballots because yeah you're going to get people who either love it or hate it and so i think that that'll hurt as far as winning but i think i have it in my um nominations at the moment
1: hello everyone this is jd from the in session film podcast each week we review the latest from hollywood california well yes brendan we also give top three lists okay yeah thanks again brendan additionally you can hear us talk other movie news trailers varying movie series or other interesting film related topics and even rants and raves of the week that's correct brendan on top of our main show every friday you can also hear our extra film podcasts good job brendan Thank you, JD. It's my goal to make you proud. You're the father after all. (laughs) Yes, and I'm very proud. Uh, You can listen to the In Session Film podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or at InSessionFilm.com. Brendan, will you please let me complete just one? Nope. Oh, for heaven's sake. Listen to the In Session Film podcast every Monday and Friday. Subscribe today and hear me verbally beat JD like a Cherokee drum. No, 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 no. That's not how this works, sir. Hey, you go cry at Midnight Special again, okay? okay. That's what you're good for. I will. You know what? And I'll do it while pummeling you. I'll do both at the same time. How are you going to pummel me? Yeah, I, I don't, that's just I don't how buy it. Works. That. That's
3: just how it works. One thing I want to do on today's episode is I do want to finally talk about Below the Line and what we're thinking in regards to that. But as kind of a lead in into uh, talking about the technicals, this is our last week to talk and speculate about the Irishman before the world finally gets a chance to see it this Friday. So I thought this would be a good way to kind of lead in into talking about Below the Line because... I mean, at this point, looking on the outside at the rest of the season, The Irishman looks to be other than maybe Little Women in 1917, the only movie that could be a contender in both above and below the line.
4: Matt, what about cats?
3: (laughs) (laughs) I love that this is a joke that will never end. Uh, And I'm going to just maintain that and just keep saying it is a joke. Yep. (laughs) Uh, So, The Irishman, what is the vibe right now? Because New York Film Festival is currently going on right now for uh, critics. There's press and industry screenings right now, so there's a lot of people in town. I've been having a lot of chats with people about it and asking them what they think before, you know, they see it. And the vibe I'm getting is I'm getting two vibes here. I'm getting either it's going to be a brand new American uh, epic classic in the same vein as something like The Godfather or Once Upon a Time in America... Or I'm getting, yeah, it's Scorsese, but I don't know about those visual effects, man. So the question is, is it both of that? Is it one or the other? What is everyone else's feelings here on The Irishman?
5: I mm. think critics are going to love it and audiences, maybe not as much.
0: Mm, hmm. I, 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 yeah, oh. I was just going to say that runtime is probably going to really like, hinder its sort of Reception with audiences. I mean, yes, it's having a limited release and is going to obviously be released on Netflix, but how many people are going to? I, I picture it's one of those films that you know you pause and you get up and you go to the loo and then you go get something to eat from the kitchen and then mm-hmm. maybe you come back to it you know but you're not really in the mood because you got distracted by Twitter. I'm just describing my general viewing. <laughs> I, I
3: agree. I agree with you. I, I don't think you're wrong, yeah. but at the same time, literally last night uh, I started watching Succession at like twelve oh seven a.m. and I was watching it till like four in the morning. Well,
0: it's so it's so easy to do.
3: But I'm just saying, from a binge watching perspective, and since this will be available on Netflix, if something is engaging and riveting enough, I could watch it forever. That's I, but key. that's just but that's but me that's though. It's different you know? when you're watching TV shows that
5: come in, you know, half an hour to hour long segments versus.
3: Well, let's ask this question, right? Because it's only a half an hour uh, shorter. <laughs> only, uh, <laughs> what did we all think of the kinetic? style of Wolf of Wall Street and how that was for a three-hour movie still, like, endlessly entertaining. It constantly moved. Too long.
1: But that's different. So (laughs) I felt
5: the length of that one, even though it was entertaining. Well, I think a better comparison is The
6: Godfather Part 2 is actually about the same time as um, The Irishman is going to be. So, if people can sit through The Godfather Part 2, they can probably sit through, through The Irishman. If, like, Matt, you say, it is... Engaging, it has to be riveting and engrossing, and move with a good pace.
3: I mean, another great example, another best picture winner uh, recently. Well, recent air quotes, uh, Lord of the Rings: Return of the King. Also, uh, three hour, three and a half hour
0: movie. Yeah, I I remember every time it sort of faded to black, and then. I got up to go leave the the cinema, thinking it was over, only to realise it was still going on. And I was just like, "Oh come on!" It was like, "How many more like little scenes are we going to have?" Yeah, the oh, they're back at the Shire. Woo, that's great. Can I go now? <laughs> it's like, I hope I hope the Irishman doesn't do that because then I'm really going to be annoyed. But you know, it's uh, you just get to the point where you think. do you uh, do they really need to have this extra, I hope the Irishman's going to actually have an ending that feels satisfying and not dragged out, which mm. I, I have a feeling a lot of these longer films seem to do. It's almost like they want to see how long they can keep you trapped in the cinema for.
3: That's true. I don't I don't know. I, I trust Martin Scorsese. I think if any filmmaker on the face of the planet has earned uh, the trust of a three and a half hour running time, it's like, it's him, Steven Spielberg, and I don't know. Just just start naming names here. But, I mean, the list is a little small. You know just what just I mean? I, w- I would say.
0: Maybe.
3: <laughs> yeah, maybe. Oh, well, no. I don't know. He hasn't no, made be a, one that long. No, he no, hasn't yeah, made one exactly. that long.
6: Um, you know, one thing, I, what I'm kind of expecting from the Irishman, if it is going to be successful, I think it's going to be, like, the Departed in terms of pace. Because um, the Departed, it, it moves. Like, it's it's a heck of a ride. Like, um, that's kind of what I'm expecting.
5: But the Departed was a reasonable lens, though.
3: <laughs> agreed. Agreed. My, my feeling with this is that it's going to have its um, moments of energy. But I think that based on the story that they're telling, I think it is also going to be a slow-moving film at the same time as well, peppered with uh, obviously phenomenal acting because with these actors and this director and this screenwriter... Steven Zalian has done some pretty incredible screenplays. He's got some stinkers in there. Don't get me wrong. But, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, I mean, the guy wrote those Shin- List, you know, for example. You know, he knows what he's doing. I would say that the the ingredients are all there uh, to create something obviously very, very special. Yeah.
6: Mm-hmm. It's either going to be like, I think, I do think it's either going to hit or it's not going to hit. And
3: I, 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 I if, if it does hit, though, do you see it being a... Mild hit in the sense of it gets the nominations and it's not really like like I guess what I'm asking is do you see it as a top five movie and, and so because my feeling is this it's either going to be a grand slam home run top five top three contender for best picture hailed as like this amazing monumental achievement the crowning jewel in Martin Scorsese's career and all of these guys blah 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 I mean like praise to the roof it's either gonna be that. Or it's just going to blow up in a very terrible way and just stink to high heaven. I don't think there's any possible way that there is a middle ground with this. I
6: agree. Um, but I, agree, I do yeah. think that um, if it does go the latter, if it goes the way of the latter, I think the reception will be, in terms of awards, it will be very similar to Gangs of New York. You, oh, so you think it will get nominated regardless? I think it's going to be nom- nominated
5: regardless. I yeah.
6: feel
2: that way I too. I think there's
5: an element of that too.
2: Yeah. And I think that the – I think like what you say. I think the visual effects might be a big factor in that because that can – because they can take somebody out of it watching it, you know, if it's yeah. not good.
3: I, I, I mean I don't know what's wrong with me but every single time that this has popped up recently in movies with like de-aging, I've never – I've never noticed it on the same level that so many others did. Like Captain Marvel with Samuel L. Jackson, I never once – I mean in the beginning I was like, oh, that's really cool. But then I just like kind of forgot about it as it went along, yeah, I and I wasn't like looking for the flaws. You know what I mean? Yeah. I
4: think that is one of the better examples that we've had mm-hmm. though this just year, this year, yeah. past year.
3: Yeah, and then uh, the kids from It Chapter Two is another example where people told me after I saw the movie, and I had no idea. I was like, "Wait, really?" Here's a good comparison.
6: Um, I, I, oh, so of a lane I could see the Irishman going down is like The Curious Case of Benjamin Button. Um, mm-hmm. not only for the special effects that we're talking about with de-aging but also just like the it gets so many nominations and it's kind of in the top um but it may not if it doesn't win best picture i could see it being a benjamin button kind of a type
3: i agree i don't see a world i don't i I cannot see a world where irishman is not the top nomination getter on nomination warning i agree
5: i can
3: really yeah well okay if not if the irishman doesn't get the most nominations what do you think uh would
4: I think cats. 1917. Cat. He says cats. <laughs> Honestly,
3: Jesus, 19- uh, and Nicole. I would say I <laughs> yeah. would say that's next one. Yeah. Yeah.
4: yeah. Like I, I could see either one of those taking the top, particularly you know if the if the visuals in 1917 are what we've been led to believe they might be.
0: Mm.
6: Well, can I just be like uh, the the skeptic? What I'm just nervous that 1917 isn't being at these festivals and like it's coming out. It's it's hitting hitting the ground pretty late. Well, it wasn't ready. I know, yeah. but I'm. We're on a different timeline this year with um, the condensed award season, and
3: yeah, Ryan, you wrote an article about this actually that I think is very interesting. Um, for everyone out there that's listening right now, uh, why why don't you tell them what you mean? Because it is something that I don't think people are realizing mm-hmm. a little bit when they're making their predictions right now.
6: Well, so. Usually the Oscars take place um, the la- like one of the last two weeks of February, or sometimes we even get like the first weekend of March. Um, this year, uh, the- with a bunch of new rules that came out um, recently, the with the Academy, uh, they decided to condense that time period, so they they moved the Oscars up by two, three weeks from from what it usually is. So, and therefore, like the BAFTAs are also being moved up um, as like a domino effect. So there's going to be a shorter amount of time for people to see everything that's nominated or see everything to nominate things. Like so, for instance, a movie that comes out, uh, a, who like Vice last year? It came out in the, like really close to Christmas, um, and if that it worked for that film because we had a longer time for people to uh, see it and like it or and vote for it. This year, like something like Little Women. It, it, because it is it comes out around Christmas time, it makes me really nervous that it could. Because it doesn't have this background at the film festivals and getting exposure, it could be vulnerable and end up something like the post. Like I can't tell you how much the post burned me. Like because it didn't, it could have had so much potential, and we were all like hyping it up, and it just turned out to be such a a flub because. People didn't see it enough for people to vote for it in time.
3: But it's interesting, though, because on the flip side, it had Phantom Thread, same release pattern as Mm -hmm. the post that year, and not managed to break through. So,
5: yeah, I think I would be more concerned about 1917 in that way if it wasn't Oscar's absolute favorite thing ever. But we can't, (laughs) you know, (laughs) like they love technically virtuosic. War movies. They do. Like, that is their favorite thing. And it is true. Sam Mendes has an established
3: track record and it's Deacons again, right? So, and he's got a cast filled with recognizable faces, yep. similar to how Dunkirk had some supporting players that were, you know, on the prestige level. And also, from what we've been told, 1917 is going to have a more emotional, thorough line because there's going to be characters that we Uh, care about versus Dunkirk, which was entirely this like almost documentary, you know, verisimilitude style (laughs) of storytelling that uh, was a little cold and disengaging for some people.
4: I do think that Ryan's right. And I think that anything that wants to make it that's coming out at that point is going to have some real passion behind it. I just think that 1917 really could have that passion. And I think that like that trailer was so freaking good that people are going to want to go see it in the same way that I think that's what could save little women is that, you know, the amount of people who are passionate about it just as a property, um, could be its saving grace because people will go see it. But I think that, you know, those are maybe the only two that could, uh, get enough people to them. Um, having skipped the festival circuit.
5: Agree. Like well, these are properties and filmmakers that already have uh, people dying to see them. So I think than, that those are the two that can. Whereas clemency
3: is going to be DOA. Uh, clemency is Alfred Woodard or bust. But so, yeah. uh,
6: But like I mean, you know, take like mean, not to keep going back to this example, but like you uh, you don't get much more like name recognition or respect than Steven Spielberg and Meryl Streep and Tom Hanks in a movie. That is about that's about countering the Trump administration in you know in a retrospective way. Like, but
5: it, again, it, like it didn't get amazing reviews.
6: No, which but I think
5: it's bullshit. But like it got it, good enough reviews, com- like compared to
6: Spielberg's other movies. Reviews.
3: I think the bottom line here, though, is that um, to the point of a late December release, and with the dates being moved up, it's a gamble. It is. I I think that I I will tell I'll be very honest with you. If you were to tell me, hey Matt, because of this window, only one of them, Little Women or Nineteen Seventeen, are gonna really break through in a major way where the other one will get some nominations but not be an across the board movie. Um I would probably say right now, nineteen seventeen would be the movie to get picture director and the technicals where yeah. little women I think would get five less maybe nominations. But that's just that's also because at this point, uh, we've heard some things about 1917. We haven't heard jack about, li- about Little Women right now. Well,
6: Meryl Streep called, said that it was a masterpiece.
3: <laughs> yeah, well, we'll see.
6: She is an Academy voter.
0: <laughs> yeah.
6: I'm just saying there's a big be, uh, there's a big opportunity with Little Women. Like had Little Women come out like uh, in November, there could have been a nice opportunity
5: for. I agree. Yeah. And. But it is a Christmas movie, so like, yeah,
4: makes sense. I don't know. It's also a family-appropriate movie that I feel like there are plenty of people yeah. who will go see it over the Christmas holidays.
3: Yeah, yeah. it's true. Yeah, I think it's also going to do well at the box office for that reason. Oh yeah, yeah. and
4: Definitely. I think it's also going to mobilize a lot of female voters because, like, you really cannot underestimate mm-hmm. how, like, important Little Women as a book and as the previous movies and everything has been culturally.
3: I mean, when I think about, like, the late December releases that did very well at the box office uh, throughout, like, January, let's say, I think the the, fir- the first two that come to my mind immediately are American Sniper and The Revenant with Leonardo DiCaprio. And those were star vehicle films. And I don't see that for 1917, which is why the reviews for that are going to have to be through the roof in order to uh, push it through. Because to the point of what we're talking about... Unless if those films uh, get to screen early enough for enough voting bodies to see them, uh, we also have to remember that a lot of voting bodies—I mean are ourselves included—sometimes by the time we get to end of the year, we have our minds kind of made up already. Yeah. And having something else like enter into the game, it's like, not nah, like I'm pretty set on having these as like my five choices or whatever it might be right now. You know. I
6: want to make a prediction. It's,
3: it's very tough. Yeah, go ahead.
6: I would, I'm going to think that both um, both films, 1917 and Little Women, they come in lower than they would have had the if then than what they would have had, had. They had a better release. I think Little Women will will probably get one acting, maybe five total, like costumes, actress, screenplay, picture. And 1917 gets picture, and then like maybe four or five texts, and that's it.
3: Yeah. I mean, it's definitely possible. It could happen. Anything is possible right now. Um, And as we're talking about uh, the text more and more here, you know, right now I will admit um, I currently do have 1917 predicted to win some texts at the moment. Mm -hmm. Um, Part of that is just because, you know, A, no one's seen it yet. B, I mean, how could you not? (laughs) Saving Private Ryan, Dunkirk, you know, as Dan said, Oscars love their World War II technical achievement films. So mm-hmm. right now I've got 1917 slated to win uh, the following. I've got it slated to win cinematography. So after so many nominations of not giving Roger Deakins a win, they finally give it to him for Blade Runner 2049. And my gut is telling me that he could just start Emmanuel <laughs> himself. Yeah, himself uh, yeah. and start ranking up wins at this point. It's very possible. It's very, very possible. So I have him in there for now. Um, and I also have it uh, slated to win um score for thomas newman because uh let's put it this way obviously no basis for that that's just me just rooting for my guy thomas Newman, (laughs) like roger deacons needs a win the guy like after deacons got his in terms of below the line people that is very recognizable people have an attachment to their work i think thomas newman is like the next in line yeah so I have that. And of course, um, I have it also in both sound categories because how could you not?
0: What about yeah, editing? Oh. Do you feel maybe editing? I
3: don't know about that because of the one take thing. Yeah. Mm. yeah
0: but then, I, I guess maybe then
3: edit,
0: so. that, yeah, yeah, if it, is it really going to be one take or is it going to be a kind of like, you know, stitch them together sort yeah, of thing? Yeah. And yeah, maybe yeah. then people will sort of, that will work in its favor. But, I think if it gets editing, then it would give it more of a chance for Best Picture.
3: I have the Irishman winning editing right now because of. Uh, it's Delma. Yep. <laughs> you know?
0: Yeah. What do I have?
3: And, you know, Scorsese's films do typically do well with editing. Um, yeah. Yeah. yeah she's, won, she's won for Raging Bull, The Aviator, and The Departed, and she continuously gets nominated. Uh, all the time. Mm -hmm. So she got uh, she should have got nominated for Wolf of Wall Street. I mean, it's pretty it's pretty incredible that she didn't.
6: I agree. And uh, I am pretty low on the Wolf of Wall Street. But the film editing is by far the best part of that movie for me.
3: I would not
5: give that editing. It should have been cut.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Dan, I'm just really curious. Is there anything that you saw at TIFF that we have not had a chance to see yet that stood out to you in editing?
5: Um editing well i mean it's like i said to you um right after i saw it i think that just mercy is the type of movie that if they really go for it can show up as a quote-unquote surprise editing nominee kind of like green book did last
3: year sure
5: um but other than that well well i have an idea about that
3: dan
6: Mm -hmm. i think Mm -hmm. a beautiful day in the neighborhood possibly could show up here
5: Possible.
3: I haven't heard anything about the editing, but I have heard positive notices about Mariel Heller's direction.
5: Honestly, yeah. if that's going to show up anywhere, that's going to be a quote unquote surprise. It's going
3: to be cinematography.
5: Okay. Mm.
2: How's the production um, design for that? With like the God. recreations.
3: That—that's what I was so thinking too. Good. That could be a uh, so that could be a surprise good. production design. You know, because it's not overtly fra- uh flashy, but it is, yeah, but it is time period at the same time.
5: Well. It's, if it's going to get in for production design, it's going to get in for the recreation of the Mr. Rogers Neighborhood set. It's not going to – nothing else is particularly noteworthy. But, oh, God, it's so good. I the, I make no bones about it. It was my favorite movie at TIFF. I I would give it all the awards.
3: <laughs> but I, like, I want to just say, too, for, for just from my own perspective of things I've seen so far that uh, I think could be contenders in film editing, uh, Marriage Story. I would definitely have that in your predictions. Um, I think it's very, very clear that Marriage Story is going to be considered a top five best p- picture contender throughout the season, probably. And the editing is uh, the one tech other than Randy Newman's score that I would feel very, very confident putting in there. Um, it's not incredibly flashy work, but the work is noticeable enough that like, I, I, could, see it, I could see it riding that wave. Um, and the other one I'll point out is Ford v. Ferrari.
2: Yeah, I
3: have that in Uh, there. I'm telling you, that's a movie that at two and a half hours, that movie, that's a movie that moves extremely well. And those racing scenes are exhilarating.
5: Actually, Matt, what do you think about waves in editing?
3: I I, see. Now, I want it to happen really badly. I would love for it to happen. The problem is, is I think that when people think think about the criticisms of waves, uh, the editing is the number one thing that pops up. Really? Yeah, well, because uh, a lot of people think the uh, third act is drawn out way too long. And the movie loses a bit of uh, momentum huh. because it because it changes gears, you know? Yeah. I mean, I think it does so purposefully, though. No, I, I agree with you. I, I Trust me, if it were me, I would put it in. I just don't imagine. I don't think it's. Gonna
5: yeah, I, yeah. I, I honest. That's the one that that's the movie that I don't know what to do with. This year, I don't know how Academy is going to respond to it.
3: Well, in terms of uh, score, I, I I have Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross getting in.
2: I have them in You too. do?
3: I do, yeah.
5: Because I, I feel like people are going to see that and they're, the soundtrack is so good. I don't know that they're going to really notice that there
3: is a score,
5: <laughs> if that makes sense at all.
3: That's fair. Um, I also have it uh, considered right now for cinematography because... I, I just, I mean, come on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, you all, I mean, you all saw that trailer. The trailer is beautiful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The and this movie, the, is the movie is better. just as beautiful. <laughs> well, uh, other than, okay. So let me ask you, let me ask you guys this question. So um, do we all have Roger Deakins right now for 1917
2: winning? Uh, yeah. Do I? I think I do.
4: Yeah.
3: I do. Who do you guys think is number two? I
6: have a hidden life at number two.
3: Yeah.
4: I do
6: too. And then the Irishman.
4: Um, I
3: know yeah. that I uh, made a prediction a few weeks ago that like Terrence Malick could potentially be like a lone director nominee uh, or winner, rather, for a Hidden Life. <laughs> Can you
2: calm down on that one?
3: A Hidden Life is the kind of movie that even if you freaking hate the movie, I think you need to put it in the cinematography conversation no matter what.
5: Yeah. Yeah, you do. I mean, just because it's Malick and it's also gorgeous, like if there's anything that you know, I didn't love that movie, but God, the cinematography and score are, are oh, kind of perfect. James Noon
3: Howard. God, I oh, really hope he gets in. Me too. I love that score so much.
5: Um.
6: So do you guys have um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood in either editing or cinematography or see prospects there? Because
5: I, I don't have it, but...
2: I, have I mean, you have
5: to consider it because it's Tarantino, but I... Hmm. I think it's going to be an uphill battle in cinematography, even though they are yes. Robert Richardson. And I think editing is possible, but only if it's top five. Yeah, I
3: and I, I agree, I agree, agree with, with you in that regard because I, I I don't think cinematography and editing are getting in. I feel supremely confident about production design and costume style. Yep.
2: Yeah, 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 yeah. I think even I people who think- didn't like that movie, I think that's something that they can like, be like. Well, I liked that. Like that seems like a good latch for people.
0: Yeah, I think editing, I mean, that film, we're, we're talking about The Irishman being too long, but Jesus Christ, <laughs> that was that, upon a time in Hollywood. I mean, oh, you could have cut at least 45 minutes out of that film.
3: I still maintain that. Yeah, <laughs> I agree.
0: So I don't know. I, I, I don't see editing, but possibly cinematography. Because, I mean, all those shots of in being in the car and, like, cruising down, like, L.A. is 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 really good. But I mean, uh, oh, oh, sorry. I'm still annoyed that it's that long.
3: <laughs> <laughs> they also they also have a thing for Robert Richardson that I I mean, he I think from a nomination standpoint is like Emmanuel Lebesky and Roger Deacons. It's like as soon as they see that he's shooting a movie, they're just they just nominate him sometimes, you know, um, here's something very interesting. Uh, we're talking about the obvious, you know, the obvious contenders right now. Right, in a lot of these below the line categories, I want to talk about something that's maybe not so obvious, but let's just like you know let's just air it out here. Let's just see what we think. Uh, so, one example is, what do we think about *Parasite* for production design or for cinematography?
6: Um, I've I've heard about um uh, some buzz for it for production design. I haven't seen it, but um, I think that that could be fitting if it. If it takes off and kind of has a aroma,
3: kind of a year for itself. Yeah, I'm
2: not ruling it out.
3: Uh, Another one is uh, The Farewell for editing score.
4: I would love to see that score get nominated.
3: Me too. Mm -hmm. So I have a
5: fun note about the score. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Yesterday I interviewed uh, Trevor Garekis, who did the score for The Goldfinch for the site and the guy who did the score for the farewell is his former assistant.
3: Oh, that's cool.
4: Oh, wow. Yeah.
3: A movie that like so here's like an example of a movie that I don't think is going to be an above the line player but totally below the line is like The Aeronauts. Okay. I think I
0: have that oh, in God, I hope so. A couple, it yeah. looks
3: gorgeous. Yeah, I mean one thing that like I was thinking about the other day was, oh, yeah, you know, we're talking about things like Irishman. We're talking about, uh, you know, movies like Ford v. Ferrari and things of that nature, like movies that could possibly be in both categories be- below and above. But I was like, what about movies that would just be below? That's aeronauts.
2: Yeah. Well, yeah. So Matt,
6: specifically, what where are you predicting it? Not like not what's possible. What right now, if you ha- we're predicting today for aeronauts for top five in these below the line categories, what would you say it gets in for
3: both sounds and costumes? Mm. Okay. Do you think it Speaking.
5: stands in visual effects?
3: You know, I, I need a little bit more time on visual effects to be honest with you, because there's just so many possibilities right now that um, I'm having a very, very difficult time whittling it down. The yeah. only thing I know for certain about visual effects is that Avengers end game is getting a nomination. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
4: I um I also feel like while costumes has come up, I really do think Downton Abbey has a shot at getting in there. Considering yeah. I think it came in at 31 million for opening weekend.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I would say uh, my only my only hesitation still about Downton Abbey. and I agree with you that on merit, the costumes definitely could uh, sneak in there. My only problem is. Um, I'm, i I mean, I understand the general public is going to see it. I even talked to some people at the movie theater last night who were like me that they were just there um, and they had never like seen the show before at all. At least I've seen the first season, but there were some people that were like, "Yeah, you know, I'm just here. Uh, you know, I've heard a lot about this, and I don't think they knew what they were watching necessarily. I don't know. It was weird.
6: <laughs> so, but I think. Kevin,
3: but I'm wondering Kevin, how many Ampis members are like that. though, was my uh, is my point.
6: No, I think Ampis members probably watch the show, especially the older ones. And oh like, yeah. Especially well, if think... you
4: consider how well it did at the Emmys. And exactly. the SAG.
6: Mm-hmm. Always yeah. in a
4: SAG, so. Yeah. yeah I I
5: think think it's fine. This yeah. Okay. Which, P.S., don't be surprised if that shows up in SAG Ensemble. Oh,
4: I been... oh, and for Maggie
5: Smith. <laughs> I, I've
2: been <laughs> thinking that for a while. Because I was yeah. like, if this movie makes any money, I think that they'll latch
4: onto that pretty easily. Yeah. And it's yeah. got a cast of generally really well-liked people. Like, mm-hmm. you know, everyone from Imelda Staunton to you know, Maggie Smith and Hugh Bonneville and Matthew Good and Alan Leach, some actors who are considered, you know, kind of more up and coming. But like, I, I really could see them latching onto that at SAG.
6: I have a, um, for costume design. I kind of think Rocket Man could have a shot. God, I hope so. I
4: hope yeah.
3: so. <laughs> uh, I, I agree. Yeah. I think that, them. um, I think that Dolomite is my name.
2: I yeah. hope it right in there. Yeah.
3: So uh, right now for costumes, I have, uh, here's what I have. I've got Dolomite is my name, Aeronauts, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Little Women, and I I keep going back and forth on the last one. I'm not sure if I want to do Irishman or Downton Abbey.
5: Downton Abbey definitely
4: is the flashier costumes.
5: Yeah, Irishman like that. I mean, I it doesn't seem like that type of film they usually go for in costumes
3: no but but here's the thing about Irishman that I think is going to help it a lot is that with a three and a half hour running time and the way Scorsese edits his movies where there's just so many scenes and setups and just opportunities to showcase different elements of the time period it would just be like an abundance of riches to choose from maybe you know what I mean possibly
5: but also it's a lot of suits because it's yeah Exactly. Of course. Yeah, no. So.
3: Absolutely. Totally I Totally agree. And that's that's yeah. what's holding me. That's what's holding me back. And then I would say Downton Abbey and Rock and Man are uh, right behind it at yeah. that point.
2: Did Sandy Powell do any costumes this season? <laughs> do we have to keep an eye? <laughs> <laughs> keep an eye on anything?
3: So um, I, I I went on the record of saying uh, a year ago that my year in advance Oscar prediction was that The Irishman would win visual effects and makeup. And I'm just curious now, uh, because Makeup this year is going to have five nominees, like, what are we all thinking with that? Because the question I keep going back to is, are they going to nominate five universally beloved movies? Or are they going to just do five of these Suicide Squad level what the fuck nominees?
4: <laughs> I think
5: that no matter what anyone else thinks of it, Bombshell will probably get in there. Yeah. yeah.
0: I also could definitely funny. see Judy getting in here. Yeah. Hmm.
5: Mm. absolutely
0: i feel is maybe it, avengers or something like that would but that's true
6: that's true possible is it dumb to put joker in here
3: no dark knight did get a he nomination a lot of
4: makeup <laughs> but is it good makeup
2: <laughs> i've been seeing some thoughts about maybe us getting into makeup now that there's five nominees i don't That'd be cool yeah yeah just especially with a lot of that like there's really interesting work done on a lot of the Tethered and, like, a lot of interesting stuff happening
4: there. Mm-hmm. As far as, like, I feel like typically we get at least one, you know, even on the old system, one period drama in here. Do we think Little Women? Do we think Downton Abbey? Do we—I mean, Matt, what do we think about the king? Like, could that play in somewhere, like, here?
3: I don't think so. Uh, the, okay. king some, like, a, the king has some, like—the a. king has— a climax i just saw i just saw the king this week by the way and uh the king has this final battle which i thought was going to be just this bloody like intense scene but instead of blood they use mud mm-hmm. and there's like no blood at all in the final scene it was actually quite shocking to me instead everybody is just covered in mud and dirt and i was like oh my god like i mean timothy chalamet is like swallowing mud <laughs> i mean it was just insane <laughs> so I, I i i did think about it from that angle and i was like "Ah, oh, could this be and then i was like nah stop it okay it's not <laughs> um but the, but the, in terms of transformational makeup this year um i would definitely say bombshell um I would say Irishman is going to definitely have uh, a lot of it employed, especially for um, even aging the actors up from more than what they are now. You know, I like I like the endgame prediction. Yeah. Now that you've said it.
4: I mean, they did turn Chris Evans into essentially Joe Biden. So,
3: <laughs> <laughs> I, I like it. I, I actually, I didn't think of it. But now that I've heard it, I'm like, you know what? If they really want to, let's put it this way. I have this feeling with Endgame. I know that I was on the, I know that I've been on the record of saying a couple of times I thought Endgame would get like a Best Picture nomination the first half of the year. Uh, <laughs> I've kind of cooled off on that just a little bit obvi- for obvious reasons. But one thing that I've now cooled off on is the movie getting nominated elsewhere because there still could be a considerable push for it because of just the the achievement, you know, yeah. mm-hmm. and recognizing um, the technical craftsmanship of it. So outside of visual effects, I wouldn't be surprised if it landed in sounds or makeup, for example.
6: Um, Matt, how do you feel about, I, know, I heard you say earlier, um, that you had 1917 winning the sounds. Um, I have Ford versus Ferrari for winning both sounds right now.
3: I think it's a good choice. Okay. Yeah. No, I, I would not, I would, I'm not arguing against, I Ford V Ferrari actually is my uh, runner ups, uh, to 1917 right now in both in both categories. Well, how do we think Star Wars is going to play out? Ooh, I there we seven, go. Five. if it's great it's gonna do force awakens um level i think in terms of nominations probably at least i mean you know we're talking both sounds visual effects john williams for score that's four right there uh makeup is definitely on the table that's five editing uh yeah editing production design maybe the costumes Mm -hmm. i mean there's no telling yeah Uh, guys i'm just throwing throwing my hands up here force wagen's got that critics choice nomination for best picture i'm telling you it could totally get in for a picture
5: this is the last one in quotes um <laughs> adam
4: die- driver double nomination
5: oh my <laughs> god <laughs> i'm gonna actually
6: love that man. <laughs> well you know the best actor this year i was thinking about it today like i feel like i don't even have like the energy to kind of play even play along that it could be anybody but adam driver i don't know <laughs> I just feel like I, I, he's has five movies coming out this year. Just there's just I feel like there's just no way. And
4: his Tony nomination.
3: I'm really really sorry, Ryan. It's I, I'm gonna just tell you this right now. Adam Driver is going to win the Critics Awards, and Joaquin is gonna win the industry. Just wait and watch. Yeah, it's,
4: it's actually gonna be uh, Ian McKellen for uh, Cats.
3: <laughs> <laughs> so somebody somebody who just entered uh, into the conversation for uh, Best Actor this week was yeah. Mark Ruffalo. Uh, we got a trailer for the new Todd Haynes film, Dark Waters, uh, starring him and halfway Bill Camp, a few others. Uh, let's take a look at the trailer for this one. Let's give our thoughts on it and
0: see what we think.
1: Hi, Grammars. What are you doing here?
0: <laughs> Your grandma tells me her grandson's some fancy environment lawyer
1: down in Cincinnati. I am a corporate defense attorney. So? I defend chemical companies. Well, now you can defend me. How many did you lose? 190. 190 cows. You tell me nothing's wrong here. It's a small matter for a family friend help a guy who needs it. The farmer or you? That's chemicals, I'm telling you. I'm seeing documents. I don't understand. They're hiding something. That chemical. What if you drank it? Drink it. It's like saying, What if I swallowed a tire? What if whatever's killing those cows is in the drinking water? At
2: DuPont, better living through chemistry. It's our DNA.
0: You need to tell me what in the hell's going on. DuPont
1: is knowingly poisoning 70,000 local residents for the last 40 years.
3: You knew, still you did nothing. You wanna flush your career down the toilet for some cow hand? You wanna take everything that you know and turn it against an iconic American company, like an informant. Isn't that right?
2: Isn't that right? Isn't that right?
1: Yes. They have all the money, all the firepower, and they'll use it. I know, I was one of them. Our government is captive to DuPont. They're trying to force you to make me stop.
0: He was willing to risk his job, his family, for a stranger who needed his help.
1: The system is rigged. They want us to think it'll protect us. We protect us, we do.
5: Cannot watch this trailer and not think, oh, so they just gender-flipped Aaron Brockovich. (laughs) (laughs) I know that it's like a true story and all that stuff, but I still, like, I don't care. That's the only
3: thing that I can think of. My absolute favorite thing was when Will pointed out to all of us and then everyone else on Twitter, uh, the cinematic uh, universe of Mark Ruffalo doing the whole,
4: they knew and they let it happen. (laughs) 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 I love him so much and I'm so excited to see him in like a really interesting project like this. Like, I feel like he'll be good and I feel like he definitely is in the running to get a nomination and he's producing it. And yeah, I'm excited for this one, actually.
3: If I'm being completely honest, I think and I, I thought about this a lot. I still think Ruffalo is there. Like he's in the conversation. I have this feeling that because this film skipped the festivals, it is being released in November. It's not a late December release. Um, I have this feeling. It's not good. Uh, me too. Oh.
6: Honestly, I think it comes out in the trailer. I thought the trailer, so I watched it um, the day it came out and I thought it was really crappy. Actually. I thought it didn't look like a Todd Haynes film. I didn't like yeah. the visuals. I didn't think he was particularly outstanding. I watched it again this morning before the podcast, and it looks a little better. But I don't know. I don't. I, best actor is really competitive this year. I, I don't know. I think if anything, this is a screenplay no, uh, nomination. But I'm not. I'm not sold. And I love Todd Haynes. Yeah, I mean,
3: see. I, I see. I think if the movie's bad, I, I don't think you can put the screenplay in. But I think no. that if they like Ruffalo's character enough and he plays the role well, he could Denzel Washington, Roman J. Israel, Esquire himself in. You
4: also know that Ruffalo is going to spend this entire campaign season just talking about climate change. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sure.
3: And mm-hmm. he's going to. Why
4: in. And I feel like that could be powerful for some people.
3: Absolutely. Mm-hmm.
5: But
6: can, are we, are we not denying that Best Actor is pretty? Pretty freaking packed. I just it's,
3: Oh, it's insane.
2: Yeah, Every I time know. I think I want to add somebody in, I go, oh, there's not 10 spots. Fuck. What am I doing?
4: <laughs> we had
3: a question this week from uh, Rich Hulsey, 1991. He asked us, Netflix has three or four best actor contenders with Adam Driver, Robert De Niro, Jonathan Price, and Eddie Murphy. And he's like, do you think Netflix is going to go to bat for all four of them? And it's like, holy shit. <laughs> yeah. I, I can't even imagine, you know. Well, I think um, their push for Murphy
6: will be at the Globes. But the other three, I think they will push.
3: Yeah, I think it's about Murphy. But this does I mean, do you guys get my like uh, Denzel Washington comparison? No, like that's where my mind is at Mm -hmm. with this. Yeah.
6: Well, so we have Driver, Phoenix, Price, De Niro and DiCaprio. Which one does he bump?
3: Also, too, I wanted to just throw this out there. I know he's not campaigning, but I, I'm going to just because I like the performance that much, I'm going to push for Brad Pitt and Ad Astra Honestly, all season.
6: Matt, me, too. I, I saw Ad Astra on Friday and man, Brad Pitt blew me away. Like I... It's the kind of character and performance that I just eat up from actors. Like, ugh, my God, Brad Pitt. Better than his work in um, the Quentin Tarantino film this year. I bow down.
2: I, I didn't get to talk ab- about my undying love for Ad Astra, but yeah. And it also made me regret making all of my tech predictions <laughs> before. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, it's just a space movie. What would they have with, <laughs> with production design? And I'm like, oh my God, the couch in the Ruth Naga office. I'm like, <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> record, the, the recording booth. I the
6: mean, since gravity.
3: Ed Astra definitely could be a tech player. Um, I think it's only above the line uh, prospect is Brad Pitt. But um, I think that's going to be a critic's thing, maybe. And I I would be very curious to see if it materializes into something real here. But I don't know. I just feel like Ruffalo, um, especially, uh, just getting back on track here, um, he's definitely someone that you can just tell he's going to win one day. Yeah. 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 They they keep nominating him, they really, really like him.
2: Like a guy. It makes sense.
3: Uh I just don't think this is the project to do it is no. all. No. I don't think he's gonna win,
5: but I think he can sneak into the best actor field, unless it's bad, which I find it very difficult to believe that this coming from Todd Haynes could be bad. I just feel like they're trying to market it as generic as possible. Because like I <laughs> It doesn't make sense to me that Todd Haynes would take on this project and not do something interesting with it.
4: It is yeah. supposedly a psychological thriller. Okay. So yeah. I also feel like if if it's true, as we were just saying, that if they really went to bat for Avengers Endgame with the Below the Line nominations, it does make sense that maybe they would pay a little bit more attention to Ruffalo here.
6: I agree. Mm-hmm. Well, and Best Supporting Actress is pretty weak, Um I think there's an opportunity for Anne Hathaway to um, yeah. get her third nom. But I I, I don't know, to be honest, I, I love Anne Hathaway so much. I went through a huge phase with her again this summer. I, I rewatched all of her stuff. I love her. But I didn't think she looked good in this at all.
5: Oscar loves a supportive wife.
3: And I'm really, really ha- happy that you're saying that, Ryan, because the whole supportive wife thing with Claire Foy last year in First Man, you were definitely very vocal about that. So when this trailer came out, uh, I was like, let's see what Ryan thinks that's about Anne Hathaway here. <laughs>
6: no, but honestly, I, I thought her acting was bad
3: in the trailer. No, she doesn't look good in it. <laughs> well, we'll wait and see. I mean, uh, I'm very curious because Ed Lockman's doing the cinematography. Obviously, it is T- Todd Haynes. So I think it'll be a competent movie i just don't expect it to be something extraordinary on the level of uh, carol or far from heaven obviously so we'll have to uh, we'll have to wait and see to get a little bit more information on that one uh what i want to do now is i want to transition over to the polls i want to talk about our friend renee zellweger who is having a comeback year with her performance in judy being released this weekend in limited release so the question that we are asking for this week's poll is which is your favorite Renee Zellweger performance? But before I reveal the choices for that and we talk about Renee, I want to give the results of last week's poll, which focused on Brad Pitt. We asked everyone, which is their favorite Brad Pitt performance? We have our top five results. But I wanted to say for the record that because we got so many, so many, uh, results for this one. I had to name a top 10. Whoa. Uh, cool. I mean, the, the, the votes for this were, I mean, we got over a thousand votes on this. What? Which is insane. All right, so top 10 Brad Pitt performances. I, like, this was, like this blew my mind uh, that we got this many votes on this poll. So I was like, if there's enough people voting, uh, I figure we'll uh, broaden it out a little bit here. So number 10 is the Curious Case of Benjamin Button. Which is a performance that I've like grown a little bit more attached to over the years, personally. Really? Yeah, I didn't. I actually used to not like it. I thought it was too subtle. I thought it was too um. Boring. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but but I've actually really, really grown to like it a lot more, especially because I like how it plays off of Kate Blanchett's character.
1: Hmm. Okay. Uh,
3: number nine is Snatch. Oh. Okay. <laughs> You like dogs oh
0: gosh oh, no, <laughs> oh, oh no dogs no
3: <laughs> number eight is oceans 11 which okay it's good you
0: know, Pitt, just being cool movie. i
3: guess yeah uh number seven 12 monkeys Ooh. i love that performance
0: yeah yeah
3: my dad, my, my, I'll never forget when I was younger, my dad would say to me, that's the best performance I've ever seen. And I'm like, wait, why? And he says to me, because name anybody that could do that stuff with his eyes, where his eye is going this way. And, and I'm like, okay, dad.
4: Uh,
3: number six, The Assassination of Jesse James by the Coward Robert Ford. That's a favorite of mine. Yeah, Definitely. Release it, Criterion. Release Please. it.
6: I mean, for Pitts' work specifically, too, I really think he's great in it.
3: Number five is the Coen Brothers' Burn After Reading.
5: Yes!
4: Oh, yeah! <laughs>
5: yes, classic.
3: Osborne Cox,
5: <laughs> have you checked the security
3: <laughs> of, of your, your shit? <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> First of all, what you're engaged in is blackmail.
4: <laughs>
3: oh my god, I love John Malkovich in that movie so much. Oh my
2: god.
3: Number 4. Number 4 is Moneyball. Nice. Oh. Good one. That's a and that's a performance that I instantly loved at the time. He's my best actor winner for that year personally. I I I think he's excellent in that. Number 3. What's in the box? Seven. Great. What's in the fucking box? He's good in that movie. Oh, God.
1: Oh, God.
3: (laughs) Number two is Fight Club. Mm -hmm. Which is a fan favorite. And I I will admit, he's he's extremely charismatic in that role. Oh, (laughs) God, yes. Number one. Is Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? Oh, really? Hmm. I wow. shit you not!
6: <sighs> wow. Well, so let's, let's just talk about that result for a minute because I hear a lot of people st- like throwing him out as a chance, as a possibility for like to win Best Supporting Actor for this, and I, I, I can't, I, I can't fathom it. I mean, he's good in it, but I don't think it's a winning performance. It definitely doesn't no, feel uh, like.
2: Yeah.
3: A- what yeah. it is to me, and I've been saying this a lot, like at every party I go to and I talk with uh, people about this, I think it's Christoph Waltz and Django, where I think they're voting more for the character than they right. are for the performance. Yeah.
0: yeah. I mean, he's, he's yeah, he's good, but I, I feel like he just gets, he just disappears towards the, you know, like the mid and part and then comes back at the end and it's it's great, but I don't know, I just don't I don't see it. But I mean he takes his shirt off, which is nice. I mean
3: (laughs) it is a
5: thing of beauty and a joy forever.
3: (laughs) To me to me it's just him being like really cool. The yeah, whole movie, it.
5: it's, yeah. it's being himself.
3: Yeah, it, it, but that and that's the thing and that's the quality about it that, for me personally, like I feel like he could be doing it almost in his sleep, yeah. you know. Yeah. Hey George, how are you? I just wanted to come by and check in on you. You know, it's like hell. I could do the performance. I, <laughs> I mean, you you guys don't want to see me take my shirt off for sure, but you know, listen, I'm just saying.
5: Never say never, Matt. Well, <laughs> and,
1: and,
6: and Thompson had has a theory about um, he'll... Win supporting actor as kind of a two puncher for ad astra and um hollywood which i mean after seeing oh, ad astra i appreciate that mm, i i don't
3: yeah i i don't let, let's see how the rest of the you know season develops Man, you know i
2: can see him winning at globes i feel like that could be you know yeah. they want to get brad Pitt up on stage like that seems
3: they might want to get tom hanks up on stage
2: yeah, yeah. that's that's true mm-hmm. that is
3: there's a lot going on in supporting actor. Like a lot, a yeah. lot. And it's, lot it's gonna going to take the critics <laughs> to really sift through the amount of contenders that we have because uh, it's going to be hard yeah. to whittle down. All right. So now for this week's poll, uh, as I said before, favorite Renee Zellweger performance. We're just doing performances from our favorite actors week after week, and I love it here. (laughs) So we've got a couple of different choices. Um, I think I've done a pretty good job of choosing uh, the major highlights, uh, with the exception of B-movie, which I don't know if people are saying that realistically or if they're saying it as a joke. But, you know, people have been (laughs) saying that a lot. Uh, Obviously, we've got Judy. Uh, we also have um, Me, Myself, and Irene listed. We've got Nurse Betty, Down with Love, Cinderella Man, Jerry Maguire, Chicago, Bridget Jones's Diary. Guys, Renee. Let's it's talk so about Renee.
1: Difficult. <laughs> I love that her
3: so
6: much. Like she um I really love the the early 2000s, and I feel like she's a staple of that. And mm. her hot streak um, is one for the record books. Um I yeah. love all three of I love her three nominated performances and I voted for cold mountain. I, the, I, I know that everyone loves to hate on it, but I love it. So it's just me. And I, I would pick, I would put Bridget next. So, but her Roxy heart, the song Roxy. So what, great. Such a highlight in that movie. And I, the reason why I'm so cool with her nomination that year.
3: I, you know, listen, I objectively think her performances in Chicago and Bridget Jones's Diary are better, Uh, but I do have, like, this bit of a soft spot for Jerry Maguire, so uh, I'll I'll pick that. I, yeah, Yeah.
2: I might actually say Jerry Maguire, just out of, like, yeah, I just, I like, I like her in that, and I... I think it's very it's a sweet
3: performance. Yeah, it also it also feels like everybody's gonna pick uh Bridget in Chicago. So yeah. I, I wanna I wanna spread the love here.
4: I like might be the lone vote for this, but um I love, 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 love her performance in Miss Potter. I was like, going to say, what's the Nicole performance? You know, <laughs> there it is. It's just my favorite movies of all time, and her chemistry with you and McGregor in it is phenomenal, but also her chemistry with Emily Watson is phenomenal in it. And like it's such a beautiful, nuanced performance that kind of runs the full gamut from, you know, at, at times you think it's not going to be much. And then there are bits that are, are quite emotional. And you know, she has some lovely crying upset scenes. Um, not sound too much like Will Mavity. But um <laughs> I I just love that performance so much. And that's the one that like I return to at least once a year, if not more.
3: Nice. I know that a lot of people are saying this. Um I have Thought about it quite a lot over the last uh, few days and I do, it's not my favorite performance of hers, but I do think objectively, in terms of everything that as a performer, what she can give to a role, I do think probably her performance as Judy Garland in Judy might be the crowning achievement of her career. Yeah, I am so yeah. excited to see that. So Me too. Mm. And
6: you know, I hear a lot of people comparing it to either Glenn Close in The Wife or Meryl Streep in The Iron Lady,
3: but I think it, it definitely that... more, definitely more Meryl Streep Iron Lady. Like, um, and that Benning and film stars don't, lie, don't die in Liverpool, sort of thing, in my opinion.
6: I kind of see it, in terms of how sh- this performance is being welcomed for her and how critics are reviewing her. I think it's more comparable to like a Kate Blanchett and Blue Jasmine. And it's weird because they're both best supporting actress winners. They're both kind of veterans. They've been a- around for a long time since the 90s. And this is like uh, over the top, you know, just. Completely juicy, overt character, and they just thats what the the reviews and reception is reminding me of. To be honest,
3: well, I think the thing that surprised me the most about Judy was I actually thought that um especially when i looked at like rotten tomatoes because it's currently sitting still at a high 88 percent on there i actually thought the score would be more of the middle because i i figured this would be a scenario where people will love her regardless but they might you know think the movie is a bit conventional and you know somewhat boring like we've seen this before you know uh but what i've noticed is i've noticed that the love for her in this movie is actually propelling uh the reviews to skew more positive and thus the high uh tomato meter uh rating
5: mm. well interesting
3: yeah because people definitely because ha- i'm telling you even people i've like talked to who um like love the performance they're they're all like met on the movie but they just like glowingly love her i mean she and she really is i mean she's a phenomenal in this so anything that she has coming for her this year will be rightfully deserved in my opinion I have loved her since Jerry
5: Maguire, and I think that's a fantastic performance, and I love her dearly in Chicago and um, in Bridget Jones. Um, but I want to go to the bat for her in two performances, actually, the first one being Nurse Betty, which it feels like probably the least seen of any of these mm. movies, but like, oh, God. She is just fantastic in that movie, <laughs> and the other, which would be the one that gets my vote, is Down with Love.
0: Huh.
5: I love that movie, and I think that she is just fantastic in it. I, she gets the stylization of those corny sixty Doris Day um, romantic comedies, and it, it's really difficult to get it right and still make it feel um real and like you know like you're engaged with this character you know like you feel for her and that was her first golden globe one yeah and she's she's great in it she walks a really tricky line and i think that's the thing like with both that anders betty like she these are the trickiest parts she's had and she just knocks them both out of the park
3: Ryan, a question I've always wanted to ask you, Okay. Um, and I don't know the uh, answer. I might know the answer, but I've always just wanted to know. Uh, mm-hmm. Who gets your vote in 2002, Renee or Nicole? <laughs> Are you mm-hmm. kidding? Mm-hmm. No, I, I mean, I like I figure, I think I know the answer, but Nicole? I mean. Oh, okay, okay. I just wanted to know. I wanted to
6: make sure. <laughs> the Hours is my favorite movie, like, of all time, and that's actually my favorite performance. Like, uh, to be honest, had Renee won in 2002, I think I would have... A scorn for her like I think it's such an inferior performance in every single way it's she's actually my number four ranked um of those of the best actors. she won
3: the right globe here. in the sag
6: I know I know I, but <laughs> I, I if she would have beaten Nicole I would have I would have I would probably have like bitterness like towards her I guess <laughs> honestly I would I rank them like Nicole Diane Lane um Julianne Moore Renee or maybe Julianne and Diane Lane are switch but I have her four at, at best like, I like her wow, as Roxy, okay. but I think her other work is much better.
3: All right. Okie dokie. Uh, great. Awesome. <laughs> and anyone else have anything uh, left to uh, say before we move on?
0: Uh, I'll just say that in Bridget Jones, she really <laughs> nails the British accent. So, <laughs> you know. <laughs> <laughs> so.
3: Coming from the expert. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. And <laughs> I, I know I know my British accent's like, come on, Anne Hathaway in one day. Oh,
3: <laughs> oh that's so bad. <laughs> Yeah. You guys ever watched, um, on YouTube, uh, the accent expert? Uh, like watching the performances of people giving different accents in movies. I haven't been
5: able to bring myself to watch it. (laughs) It's actually pretty amazing because it's so
3: intricate and so detailed and it's just things that you would never... I mean, like, I I just say to myself, if the actors are really putting in all the work that this guy is suggesting that they do in terms of, like, tongue placement and, like, all these things they have to do in order to get these sounds to come out the way that they do, I, I would just be amazed if they were actually thinking of this as opposed to... Oh, I'm just gonna try and sound like the accent.
5: You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> accent for a role before those things are actually helpful.
3: Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. um, All righty. So head on over to the polls page at nextbestpicture.com. Cast a vote. Let us know what your favorite Renee Zellweger performance is. And definitely be sure to check out Judy coming out in limited release this weekend and to follow with a wide release soon after. Trust me, she will be a part of the conversation this season. Second trailer. Speaking of uh, best actress contender in the hunt for the season, we got the trailer for Clemency. Finally, from Neon, starring Alfre Woodard, Aldous Hodge. And this is going to be getting a late December release uh, almost a year later from its uh, debut at Sundance, which is uh, pretty interesting. So let's take a look at the trailer for this one. How do you keep doing it? I do my job.
0: These next 24 hours are crucial. Anthony's defense attorney has already asked for a reprieve from the governor's office.
2: You want to play this good guys and bad guys. And I'm one of the bad guys. I give these men respect.
0: All the way through. I want to share a bed with my wife. How long is this going to be going on? All we want is to be seen and to be heard. it's not over. I don't know if this is going to make things better, but I'm trying.
4: I can't understand. I can't know what it's like. I am alone.
5: I am going to fight for him right up until the very moment you stick that needle in his
1: arm. You've given me hope. I can't do this on my own anymore. I want to be home.
6: Warden. I think it looks great. A
3: little, uh, a little subdued. I was a little surprised by uh, they, they kind of like held back a little bit from some more of the uh, more overtly dramatic scenes in the movie. So I was a little surprised by that decision. Of course, they've got the uh, critics uh, flashes up on the screen. You know, Alfred Woodard gives like our best performance. You know, stuff like that. And I was like, okay, this is good. And clearly, they. Um, I'm so glad that Aldis Hodge got a mention in the trailer because I know this has all been about Alfred, but. Oh, my God, you guys. Aldous Hodge in this movie is incredible. And it sucks that his thunder is going to get taken away by a similar performance uh, from Jamie Foxx and Just Mercy this year. Uh, but my God, is Aldous Hodge like amazing in this. So as I said uh, a little bit earlier, it's Woodard or Bust probably for this one. But uh, what do, what do you all think?
6: I think I'm going to love this movie. I think so, too. It seems like I, the trailer was even better than I was imagining. I thought that like, you know, I mean, I, I know um, how you felt about the movie after seeing it at Sundance. So I thought it would just be like, I thought it'd be good, pretty good. But the trailer is is exceeded my expectations. I think it's totally like something I'm going to dig.
4: Yeah, I'm super excited for this one. I think it looks like some really great performances. Um, I believe this is one that we are getting at the North Carolina Film Festival that happens next month. Um, So it's definitely one that I'm going to try and hit because it looks, I mean, it feels like the kind of thing that I want to see just for the lead actress performance alone. Mm
3: -hmm. I was just very surprised when I saw the movie that Alfre Woodard's performance was more um, internal and subtle. Um, Aldous Hodge has the uh, flashier role. Uh, He's got a lot of crying scenes. Is he lead or supporting? (laughs) (laughs) Supporting. Okay. But yeah, I, I, I yeah, supporting supporting for me. Uh, but I mean, yeah, she's happen. But <laughs> yeah, no, she's amazing. The film is good. Um, I don't think it's great. I think there's a lot of people that will say it is great. Um, I personally didn't think it was great. But I think she's great, and I think he's great. And um, the thing that worries me, and I still just don't understand this. I don't understand. Once again, December twenty seventh. Yeah, it's yeah. It's Especially
2: both. with this. Like Late date truncate, for a movie truncate. this quiet. The, the
3: only reason why it's making a little bit of sense to me is because the movie has played at so many festivals along the way since Sundance. I mean, this played in the spring. It mm-hmm. played in the summer. And now it's playing again uh, throughout all these festivals. I have a comparison.
5: I, like, so did a lot of movies. That doesn't mean that it's necessarily going to work for this. I think this is a little quiet and a little small for such a late release date. I mean, you can argue that the only reason that call me by your name did so well at the Oscars was because it opened relatively early. Well, it had the slowest expansion ever, but it gave people time to see it.
3: That's true.
6: You know what? Um, other movie that was kind of a best actress vehicle that came out about the same time a few years ago, it was 20th century women. Would, which did yeah. play at all the festivals, but its release date for a limited release was December twenty sixth. I, mean, <laughs> so, I mean December twenty eighth. So I mean Destroyer two. Yeah, Destroyer God yeah yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But I don't know. I, I hope that if she is good, like Matt says, I hope that it doesn't hurt her. But.
3: I, I don't know. Looking at our predictions on the website right now, um, it looks like the final slot for a lot of us in Best Actress. It seems like we're all pretty set on Scarlett, Renee, Saoirse, and Urivio, uh right Urivo. now. Uh, a sorry, a Revo, Sophia Revo. You're right. It's Sophia Revo. My bad. I don't know why it came out like that. Uh, but it looks like the fifth slot is definitely between Alfre Woodard and Aquafina for the for the farewell for a lot of us right now. Uh, that is unless if Bombshell obviously, um, you know, becomes huge. So yeah, I, I think it's interesting. Uh, you know, for those that um, if their predictions aren't listed on the site, uh, where where do you all feel right now in terms of Alfre Woodard and the Best Actress race?
4: I keep. Flipping I her in like Aquafina. Yeah. I feel like she's <laughs> yeah. just
3: outside right
5: now. I The release date is. <laughs> yeah,
0: I mean, it, and it's great
5: about. that it plays at festivals, but like how many academy voters go to festivals?
3: Yeah. Well, you'd be surprised at how many industry people do go, but you got to also remember something, too. I'll, I'll give a great There's example seen a of lot this. Of movies there. I got two, I got two email, uh, emails this week inviting me to um, voting like screenings
4: mm-hmm.
3: for us and for Avengers end game. Yeah. And that makes sense. What, what what amazes me about this is um how many people don't even bother going to the movies during the, you know, their theatrical runs or don't even probably go to the film festivals and they just wait for these emails with a couple of selections on what nights to go and they just go and then they go for free. And That's that, you know,
4: I I have a friend who is a SAG voter and basically all she does is just wait to get set screeners and then watches, you know, the ones that she thinks are interesting and then makes her votes like and if she sees something else, it's typically something more like a Downton Abbey that, you know, is a franchise or something that she's just interested in.
3: Right. So I, I, I've often wondered this uh, more than ever this year about the release date. I think the release date is something that we um, on the ground that don't have like that level of access see as a hindrance. But in reality, for industry people, um, it doesn't matter, I don't think.
5: But the thing is, is that like opening that late gives very little time for the buzz surrounding the opening to build ahead of Steam. And as Ryan said earlier, this mm-hmm. is a much shortened yeah. Season.
4: Also, there's other things opening them, like mm-hmm. you know, Star Makes Wars sense. and Little Women and 1917, and even Cats, which, like, as much as Cats <sighs> is a joke, people are gonna go see it. Like, I don't. I think yep. Cats is gonna make money just because people are gonna be like, "Lol, this will be a good joke," and go. Um, and I feel like those bigger four movies are maybe gonna, you know, make something like Clemency mm. just disappear.
5: It, disappear. It's, yeah. It's going to need the sort of thing where, like, Hollywood, like, big stars host screenings in honor of Alfred Woodard. Yeah. You know, it is going to need that sort of uh, Demi and Bashir in a better life, Javier Bardem in beautiful type mm. support.
1: Ah, fantastic testimonies Thanks guys Absolutely genuine and real (laughs) And if you want to give a genuine testimony as well Go ahead and search for IMDB Journey You can find us on all your favourite podcast sites
3: Including iTunes, Stitcher and Spotify so come along and join our journey. I want to end this tonight. Uh, tonight. I want to end us today <laughs> with uh, fan questions. It feels like tonight, right? Yeah, uh, it's
0: tonight for me. So, yeah.
3: yeah, so a couple <laughs> of uh, different questions here. Some of these uh, we might have gone over, so I apologize. But I want to give our fans their uh, due here. They take the time to ask us these questions. I don't want to disappoint them. Uh, David Mitchell Baker asks, Do you think that with all of the goodwill going towards Parasite, that Bong Joon-ho has a very strong chance of winning? Best Director.
5: Mm, I'm not Winding ruling it out.
3: Tough, yeah. And I, it's tough. I'm not, I'm not ruling it out either. Uh, because honestly, the top two I think that I've seen predicted so far for Best Director wins are Martin Scorsese for The Irishman and Sam Mendes for 1917 and their previous winners.
4: Yeah. And they
3: haven't really been seen yet.
4: I would say he has a very strong chance of being nominated and a strong chance of winning. Yeah. Yeah. I,
5: it's it's hard to win best director for a foreign language film, <laughs>
3: unless if you're Alfonso Cuarón.
5: Unless you're Alfonso Cuarón, but that was a ten nomination movie. Like that was
3: yeah, no, top. no, call it like if it is. It was the number one. It was the number as one, as number two film yeah, with the Academy last year. But absolutely incredible.
5: I don't know that it's gonna be that. Strong. I
3: think people are hesitating right now because of what happened with Roma last year to say like to anoint Parasite to the level of Roma the way that critics did. You know what I'm saying? Yeah,
2: but the world well, is had, so good.
5: It has it also, Netflix going full bore for yeah. it, and Parasite does not
4: have Parasite that. does not have that Netflix money.
3: <laughs> yeah, uh, I will say this though: Neon definitely knows what they have. Yeah, um, I've, I've been talking with them, and they are very, very aware, and they are going for screenplay director and picture with it
6: good as they, they have should. a good year they have a, they have, a uh, they have the potential to have a really strong ear
3: neon yeah. uh kenzie vanunu uh vanunu i hope i'm saying that right is asking now that i know that Ed astra's beautiful score is not eligible uh hashtag heartbreak what are some of your favorite scores from this year
0: mm-hmm
4: I love the farewell score. Oh yeah. I, do too. I love that. Yeah. I also really enjoyed Avengers Endgame score. Actually, maybe it's because I saw yeah. it in be, but like, that's a beautiful score. And I feel like a lot of the big scores I haven't heard yet. Like, you know, 1917 and rise of Skywalker and hidden life and whatever. But those are probably my two favorites of what's like come out wide release thus far.
3: Hidden life is definitely my favorite so far this year. Shout out to my friend and my boy, Nicholas Bertel. Uh, <laughs> the King score is awesome. And I really, really dug it. Uh, it's not going to be a contender, I don't think. But uh, he just continues to astound me. Yeah, I love uh, a Hidden life, James Newton Howard. Praise be. Yes, yes. I have three that I want to end with a mic drop. Um, the last
6: black <laughs> man in San Francisco. Us. And yes. The- oh, yes. Oh, God. Yes. <laughs> All three of them are amazing, but...
3: Wait, like, wait, wait. I'm sorry. I was yesing so hard I didn't hear it, you other too.
6: No. <laughs> Last Blackman in San Francisco, which is just like poetry. Um, us and
5: Loose. Yes. So. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
2: I love loose oh,
0: score. I listen to
2: great it often choices. if I'm yeah, in a the movie. The
5: score
3: is amazing.
0: Can I just say I really like uh, the Peanut bus- uh, Butter Falcon score? Like, you know I, what? I didn't really, really pay
3: attention to it while watching it. I, I, is it available to download that I can listen to it?
0: I don't know. I don't know. But I just really like. I don't. It just made me feel warm inside. It's kind of like with the the farewell. It's like, you know, you just get such emotional response from from that score. Yeah. I oh. Mm. Yeah.
4: Sorry. Just to say, my other favorite score, of course, was the Downton Abbey score. <laughs> <laughs> like i,
5: I do want that to get an Oscar nomination so bad and it's never going to but oh
4: no that theme, theme
3: is so oh chills it's that so theme is so good that even people that have never watched the show know that theme yeah oh, I
4: that theme. crying when it started i was like why am i crying
3: <laughs> uh from josh blumenkrantz McBlooster 118 what is one movie that came out this year that you can watch over and over again josh the motherfucking lighthouse is something that I am going to watch religiously over the years.
2: <laughs> Honestly, I saw Blinded by the Light twice in theaters, and if I could watch yes. it almost every day, I might. Like, I just, if I, like, even just to have on, like, I think about scenes from it all the time. I just want to live in it forever.
4: <laughs> I have three movies that I'm positive as soon as I have them on DVD, I will watch, like, at least every other month and it's blinded by the light yesterday and Downton Abbey. Like uh-huh. they're just such good, like rewatch films. I feel like, because you know, there are some films like I love the farewell. I could not watch that that often because like, I can't afford to be that emotional that often.
3: Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Parasite, Parasite is number one. The re- I-, I could rewatch Parasite until the end of time. Probably.
5: I, I have two right now that are big. Um, smart. Is definitely a rewatch forever, and stop everything when it comes on cable in ten years. If cable, for the record,
3: for those that followed on Twitter, uh, my roommates have not finished watching Booksmart, but I have been bringing Uh it up to them every time I see them. So just want to, I want to give everyone updates on that.
5: (laughs) (laughs) And the other, the other one is um, a beautiful day in the neighborhood. I I cannot wait to see this. I can't wait to see it again. And I can just feel like I'm going to see it in theaters at least two more times. (laughs) It's just like, I have such warm, warm feeling towards it. And it, it's magical. It just really casts a spell. I, I feel like hustlers is going to be a rewatch rewatchable film. I agree
0: with that too. Yeah. I think for me, it's got to be the farewell. I feel like that's a film that I know is really sad and hard to watch, but I think it's so good in terms of just oh, just love how quirky and wonderful it is, and and just I feel like that's a film that I will revisit time and time again, and also *Blinded by the Light*, which is and Rocketman. Um, oh, so. *Rocket Man*.
2: Yeah, <laughs> me too
0: <laughs> on that one.
3: All right, this one's from Lindy Erickson. Well, the Oscars have a host this year.
0: No, no, it's it's you, Matt. Did you not get the memo? You're actually <laughs> hosting. The what is Oscars. this like?
3: Batman Begins over here? Did you not get the memo? It's
4: actually going to be um, the entire cast of Cats. Oh. <laughs> Jason <laughs> Derulo. <laughs>
6: hey, and funny, uh, like we we keep bringing cats up, but I'm actually I am predicting it for production design. It's my oh, predictions.
3: Yeah. Oh, I I think that that's a possibility oh, yeah. for sure. Yeah. yeah. So.
4: I just want Jason Derulo to, you know, host the Oscars. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs>
5: <a> cat,
3: honestly,
4: <laughs>
5: well, you brought up Cats three
3: times. At TV Mech asks, uh, how do you guys handle hype and expectations? I saw Parasite a couple of days ago and I really liked it, but it didn't knock me out like it seems it has everybody else. And I'm curious how much of that was this through the roof word of mouth and how much uh, it was the film itself. So... Um, I think this is a great question to ask, especially because, you know, with festivals, there's definitely this thing called festival hype. And sometimes it needs to be reined in. And, uh, you know, the buzz can build to insurmountable odds. And you end up in a scenario like Boyhood where people watch it and they go, that's it? And I definitely think we got some of that with Roma last year. So um, how do you guys handle that?
5: Refer to my
3: comments on the
5: Hustlers Review podcast.
2: I have a bad (laughs) habit of like going into a movie being like, oh, this will probably top certain things in my top ten or whatever. And then when they don't, like I'm like, that's not the movie salt. Like I I think the farewell is beautifully made and I loved it, but I expected to be like floored and have it top my, you know, best of the year and it didn't. And I feel bad about that. And so I think that it's like having like a good balance of like expect like we want every movie to be good obviously but like you know maybe not getting that expectation of like getting bogged down in like lists and things I think is my bad habit whereas like something like Hustlers I went in with lower expectations and had a great time so you know I think expectations in check is important
4: but I'm bad at it is the answer. I, also, I just always try and remind myself that like there are certain types of movies that I don't like that other people do. And I feel like sometimes that's my issue with the hype is people hype you up and it's just not my sort of film. And so I'm like, okay, that was technically good, but like whatever. And then I'm more disappointed in it than I would have been if I was like, Oh, that was a really well-made film, but I didn't like have all the hype around it. So I just try to remember that, like at the end of the day, it is all opinion.
6: And taste to an extent.
4: Yeah.
3: What changed for me was I started looking at movies as opposed to, oh, I'm looking forward to this coming out next year or this coming out in seven months. I don't think in those terms anymore. I just think about the week now. Yeah. Uh, Because when you do go to the movies literally every single week and you're trying to stay up to date on all the uh, new releases, um, you don't have time to think about you know, other than we do like these talks like we do, um, I never during the week uh, outside of this podcast, I never think about the future, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I just think about, OK, what screening do I have this week? What's coming out next week? I don't. And, and that's it. I mean, maybe the only other time I think about the future is a one month window uh, when I'm making the podcast schedule for the new month, you know, but other than that, it helps actually to keep me very grounded with expectations then because my window is just very short and there isn't then that much buildup. Um, Cause yeah, I definitely think that, you know, uh, we've seen it with a lot of different things uh, over the years. I mean, we saw it happen. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm going to be tying in uh, this, but this is just something that's close to my heart. We saw that happen with game of Thrones, the final season this year,
5: yeah. where the hype
3: was so, so large and, and it, it literally it's, just It's impossible. Well, it's impossible for anyone that, to be satisfied.
5: that There was toxic fan culture going on there that sure. can account for a lot of that. But the, the thing that has helped me a lot, honestly, with expectations, because it's such a difficult game to play, right? I mean, in this day and age, you cannot escape a lot of pre-release hype just from reviews and stuff. But one of the things that has helped me, weirdly, is avoiding... Trailers as much as possible, Dan. That is like an excellent point because
6: I kind of do that too. Like I, 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 I find it much better. Like I didn't really watch the Hustlers trailer, and I, you know, kind of kept distance from it. And then I saw it; and it was just like overwhelmed me. You know,
5: yeah. Like, I'd ask to do when you go to the really. movies, but
3: I still enjoy watching trailers. I definitely take um all reviews now, uh, um, or not reviews, reactions because I don't read reviews anymore. Um, Unless if, after I've seen a movie.
2: Yeah.
3: Uh, but reactions I take with a grain of salt. I just... Yeah. And it's not even so much like, oh, like what Nicole said in terms of my taste. But it's just more of I feel that I have like kind of a... I, I feel I have like a moral like obligation and responsibility to try to go into every single movie. Whether it is Hellboy or if it's Parasite. And just try to have the blankest mind humanly possible.
4: Yeah, and I just try and remember that like there are things that are going to influence someone's reaction, particularly talking about reactions and not reviews. Like, you know, if their grandmother has recently passed away, the farewell is going to hit them very differently. Or if, you know, their favorite actress is Renee Zellweger, they're probably going to love Judy. And Mm -hmm. aside from trying to pay, you know, I do try and pay attention to things like... You know some of the reactions to things like Green Book from actual people, you know, who are African Americans, seeing it. I try to pay attention to things like that in terms of cultural sensitivity and that sort of thing. But aside from that, I'm like, who Who's to say what biases are in place here? So like their reaction is likely not going to be mine
3: well yeah and that's the thing i'm worried about sometimes with reactions is i don't want someone else's reaction to be my reaction i want my reaction to be mine
4: exactly Mm -hmm.
3: and that that's where i think that's where that comes from for sure you know i I think it's good to have an awareness Mm -hmm. uh like you're saying nicole and an acknowledgement of other people's perspectives and their opinions and a respect that goes along with that as well um but at the end of the day um You know, our opinions are are, are our own and we need to own that. Um, And I think the more that you do own that, uh, the more respect that you will you will gain for good or for bad.
1: Well, I
6: also think that anticipation in general is just like it's a losing battle. Like you and Matt, you and Casey, I feel like both said uh, when about loose in particular, go in knowing as little as possible um, and I think I've, I I did that, and I, I, I tried to do that, even though I, I did try to get spoilers from you. You didn't budge, um, you know, and I enjoyed <laughs> it all the more. But, like, for Ad Astra on Friday, for example, I tried not to know anything about the plot and just kind of, like, let the plot um, just absorb me in, and I find it to be... I find watching movies more satisfying that way. Um, I read um, the New York Times review for it, and I kind of... I read around the plot, so if that makes sense. So I read like, you know, like the first couple paragraphs and the last yeah, yeah. couple paragraphs. Um, so I got what Manola Dargis was talking about, like thematically. And I could kind of, she was talking about how Ad Astra talks about masculinity in a specific way. So I kind of pulled that theme out and tried looking at it from that perspective while not knowing anything about the plot. So I could just kind of read into it on my own. So I don't know. I think it's just keeping your anticipation in check and going into movies with as little knowledge about them as possible. i just letting them take you over. Yeah. So
3: Yeah. One last question, uh, because we did get more, uh, but I think we did inadvertently answer them or they are questions that I know for a fact we will answer in the weeks to come. But this is one that I think is very, very important to talk about now while we're in phase one. This one comes from Colby told me and he asks, what does Oscar worthy mean? Is it as easy as objective skills demonstrated in a performance such as range, emotion, emotionality, vulnerability, and likability? Or in addition, is it the narrative precursors, name, cachet, box office, how well you work the media and the guilds?
5: Oscar worthy is and should be only based on the actual craft. The quality. Yeah. Yeah. The quality of it. That's. Um, the only thing. I
6: think it's the, the former, not the latter, of that question.
4: But I also I think there's something different between like what is Oscar Worthy and what will win Oscars. Yes, you know. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. They're right. Um thing.
3: exactly. Oscar Worthy is definitely uh the first. And the la- the latter stuff that he mentioned is the stuff that helps to weave through the abundance of performances that we have to go through and whittle them down to five, you know?
6: Yeah. I think Oscar like, worthy is so subjective. Um, And like, you know, honestly, like even if something does win an Oscar, it doesn't mean that it's worthy of it like, I mean, look <laughs> at practically yeah. all the winners from last year.
3: <laughs> that's that's why, like, that's why I think we got to like take a, a little bit of emotion out of uh wins. And, and I say this a lot and I get a little mm-hmm. flack for it sometimes, but I really, really do believe wholeheartedly that um, the, the time to maybe get a little upset is the nominations. Uh, But then you kind of need to, I think, kind of just concede to this uh, uh, to this fact that if you get nominated, you did something right and you're there for a reason. And whatever, whoever wins at that point, it it is what it is. And we can't allow that moment to signify something greater or allow it to crumble and crush our spirits if it's not something we want. You know what I mean? I also
4: think it's important to keep in mind that like even what we consider Oscar worthy now might not what we like might not be the same thing that in 20 years even we would look back and think is Oscar worthy like so much times change yeah so much of the zeitgeist there are Oscar performances from you know the early days of the Oscars that we look back on and it's like well why did that win why didn't that win and it's it's always going to be difficult because there's always going to be more than one performance or you know design or whatever that is worthy of winning so like that's part of i think why it comes down to the whole stuff like the narrative and the precursors and the box office and all of that because it's hard to say like oh well this is the best thing because it's you know it's so based on taste and opinion and yeah. everything
3: and the last thing i'll just say in regards to that because i think you just summed it up so well there nicole is um and i, I know i say this every single year it is just enjoy Varide yeah it's the ride that is uh enjoyable it's these conversations it's this talk it's the speculation it's the sharing of ideas opinions uh the blowback and just following the ride um when we get to the end we should all not be holding our breath and yeah i i I mean there's a bit of fun in that don't get me wrong but like i said if you're gonna allow it to impact you in a negative manner um i think i think you gotta i i i really do think you gotta like kind of give yourself a a little bit of introspection there, you know, to just look at why are you letting this impact you so much? Like, like by that point, we should really just be, you know, enjoying and just focusing on the celebration of the movies in general. Because I do believe wholeheartedly that the nomination is the reward. The wins are, yeah, you know, it is even, what it is. Even
6: though the win, okay, like who among us did not have an unforgettable reaction to Olivia Coleman winning? a winning last year. like oh that, yeah that to me, yeah. like I'll never forget how I felt like I was flying. like I <laughs> was so shocked and so happy about it. like it was such a nice surprise and like yeah, I,
3: I, but that's the thing too is that sometimes even if it's not the outcome that you want, Um, It sometimes creates for a good television moment sometimes Um, and sometimes it's bland and it's boring Um, You know like when like like when Green Book wins right and it's like you can just feel like the air in the room Just being a little sucked out and it just it doesn't have like that aura to it Um, But at the same time though the reactions from everybody online and just like us kind of having that communal experience That's what it's about. You know what I mean? of sharing in that emotion uh but i but i i I just always get a little nervous when people take it to another level and they allow it to just impact themselves in a very negative manner that's not good for them or for anyone else and um you know i i I just don't want anybody to be sad i want everyone to be happy
2: yeah Yeah, last year felt like a learning tool of me of like you're going to like movies that aren't going to win awards and that's going to be okay. Like it felt like a growing <laughs> story. Like I feel like I've grown up now after last year <laughs> go in and be like, cause I used to get like so bogged down and upset. My mom's like, you got to get over it. Like it's
4: <laughs> well, this is, someone is going will... to make a
5: movie of that one day and <laughs> it will win all the awards. Yeah.
4: <laughs> well, and Dan will remember last year cause we watched the Oscars together. Like, I said that, you know, after nominations happened, I was just like, all right, I'm gunning for whoever I think is gonna give the best speech. Like, and that's <laughs> uh, why I was like, come on, Olivia Coleman. And then she won it. She gave a great speech. And I was like, that's yeah. really at a certain point in the nomination is what matters. And the win, like, you know, it's it's gonna be one of those people, and hopefully they're gonna it's gonna be a nice TV moment.
3: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> if it's a, if it's like a bland boring TV moment, then it's like, oh, all this buildup for <laughs> Well, nothing <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and and more discourse in the years to follow. Or, um, as you said, learning uh, experiences, you know, for us, um, I think that last year with Green Book winning and uh, what happened for almost was a great learning experience. Yeah. Um, and so we we're able to take that and apply it to this year. And it just makes things, once again, more interesting, more dynamic. And it changes every single year. Um, we can talk about this literally every single year. And we do. And it always feels somewhat different and that's really, really exciting. All right, we went long. (laughs) but i really really appreciate the conversation this week everyone thank you so so much uh bianca we're gonna start with you where can they find you on the internet and where can they also uh newly find you on the internet
0: yeah so you can find me at the film b over at twitter but uh you can currently find me mostly hanging around uh at uh their league on twitter which is um in their own league Twitter account, and then you can head over to our website, um, you know www.intheirownleague.com, and there are some great articles coming out. And next month we're doing it all about women in horror. So nice, I love that. It's
3: gonna,
0: it's gonna be a lot of fun. It's gonna be a lot of fun. But uh, yeah, I cannot wait.
3: That is awesome. I can't wait for that either. That's gonna be sick. Ryan C. Showers, where can they find you? You can find me at RCS818.
5: Dan Bear, can find me on Twitter at Dan on film.
3: Nicole Ackman.
4: I am at NicoleAckman16. Come talk to me about Down Navi.
3: <laughs> and Casey Lee Clark.
4: You can find me on Twitter at Casey Lee Clark.
3: And you can find me at Next Best Picture. Enjoy the Emmys tonight, everyone, for those that are watching. Yes. Enjoy it. Don't get upset. Just enjoy it. <laughs> uh and also to uh give us a review on itunes let us know what you think of the show we really appreciate your feedback there uh five stars nothing less than that is acceptable you can uh, subscribe to us on itunes you know soundcloud google play stitcher tune in player fm acast Castbox, spotify you know all the good places And also be sure to subscribe to our Patreon for $1 minimum a month. You will get some exclusive podcast content, including an upcoming throwback review of The King of Comedy as our lead-in into The Joker. Can't wait for that one. That's going to be a lot of fun. Thank you so much for listening. As always, we shall see you all next time.